Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hey, happy Thursday, everybody. It was uh, nice to take a, a day off. I did not take that many days off during the holiday season. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm listening to some of the repeats and fill-ins for all the other hosts. I'm like, I want, I want to take a day off. So um, that's not so whiny. Uh, I just, I, it was nice to just take a breather uh, after a very hectic uh, holiday season uh, filled with a lot of joy, just uh, also a little hectic. So thank you so much to Paul Farvar for joining, for jumping in yesterday and uh, taking the wheel. I may have him fill in in a few weeks uh, as well. Although I will say longest conversation I have ever heard regarding straws and turtles. Paul coming in hard with uh, his love for plastic straws. Uh, anyway, I personally try to use no straw at all. I believe Joe Kilgallen mentioned that. Uh, or I have uh, my metal straws at home, but when I have to, I do use a, a plastic straw. I, I, I can't argue with him on the paper straws. They are not, they're not great. They're just, they're not. But <laughs> now I don't mean to carry on this conversation for two days. So I do want to remind folks, as Paul mentioned yesterday, if you would like to come and see us live, we'll be at the Laugh Factory on Sunday, January. Oh, I forget what the last Sunday in January is. But we are going to be uh, doing Patty Vasquez and Friends on the last Sunday of this month. And I'm pulling up my calendar right now so I get it right. And that's going to be an an eight, a 7 p.m. show, so it's not too late, even though it's a Sunday night. Maybe it's a school night for you. That is uh, Sunday, January 28th, uh, 7 p.m. show at the Laugh Factory, which is right over there uh, on Broadway, just like a, like one storefront in from the corner with, with Belmont. So it's Belmont and Broadway over there in Boys Town, and it's a great comedy club. We'd love to see you. And the next night, uh, Paul has his show, uh, Stand Up, Sit Down, with uh, all the comics on the show, and then he talks about various topics. Really good show. So that's going to be our shows on Sunday, January 28th, and his show is on Monday, January 29th. I've got free tickets to give away, so we'll do that later in the show. Uh, you'll have a chance to win a pair of tickets to come to the Laugh Factory and see a wonderful show uh, that I'm very proud to put together there over at that club. We have coming up on the show today, we have Judge Linda Davenport of the Illinois Third Di- Appellate Third District Appellate Court, and I believe that's correct. And if it's not, I she will correct me, and that is fine. So we'll talk about a little bit about our justice system, uh, about her campaign, about her career, of course. And coming up uh, in the six o'clock hour, I believe uh, later on in the six o'clock hour, we're going to check in with our friend uh, Rick Geezer. I know he said he might not be coming on the air, but Rick Geezer's coming in studio. He's also running for office for the uh, Forest Preserves over by there in DuPage County. So we'll talk about his race as well. And then we're going to be joined by Brandon Hannigan. We talked to him, Brandon Hannigan who wrote The Hard Road, will be in studio with us uh, to talk a little bit more about his book. And I, I'm trying to get a handle on um, uh, the young folks. I mean, I, I, I have a Gen Zer in my house, and uh, it's it's easier sometimes to talk to uh, somebody else's kid, is all I'm saying. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, his take on where things are in this election season. So those are some of the conversations we will be having this, uh, this show. Give me a call if you have any thoughts on stories in the news today, 773-763-9278. A, uh, an or- a couple of folks uh, have 
decided to file in order to prevent Donald Trump from being on the ballot here in Illinois. I believe this was the first day of filing their ability to to make that uh, that court case. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look into our Constitution and what the language is in regards to uh, what disqualifies someone from being on the ballot. Uh, see, the thing is, if you do the things or are the things that disqualify you, there's a lot of things that can disqualify you from being a candidate, right? From president of the United States, you have to be a naturally born American citizen. You have to be born in the United States. You have to be a certain age. I believe it's 35 years old. So that, like those are, it's the same thing as you can't be a part of an insurrection, you can't be a part of a coup. That's just one of the that's one of the criteria. So if we're not going to apply that criteria, and you do, and in the language of the Colorado Constitution, the only state so far, no Maine, I believe, but in Colorado's Constitution, the language doesn't say must be con, you know you have to be convicted of it in order to be disqualified from being on the ballot. You just have to be a participant. So that's. Everyone's like, he hasn't been. He hasn't even been charged. He hasn't been found guilty of that. It doesn't. That's not. That's not the qualification of what the, the language is. It just says engage. So I guess then they have to decide if he's engaged. Obviously, your date of birth is non-debatable. It's not up for debate. Uh, it's just. It is what it is of record. Um, <laughs> although. We certainly had a lot of people who wanted to talk about Barack Obama's birth certificate and where he was born. And I guess I guess that's why they're still mad. Like, well, we didn't we couldn't get rid of him because we you know, we were angry about something that wasn't real. Only this is stop with the oh, but he tweeted, go home. Don't hurt. He sat for hours. We have video of them with music playing after he got off stage after telling them, let's go to the Capitol. Let's go down and let's stop this. Be ready to fight. He stirred them up, set them loose, and then watched it all unfold on national television and didn't raise a finger, saw them destroying property, breaking windows, beating up cops. Uh, and, and people want to show these other videos. There's thousands of, of hours of footage to go over, and there'll be some random thing. And there's one of a police officer saying this was a setup. And it's amazing to me that... Uh, that, that right wingers that extremists are like, see, they're they're saying that they were set up. Yeah, they yeah they were set up by the president of the United States. He wouldn't send in the National Guard because that was his that that is his responsibility. Stop with the Nancy Pelosi stuff. She was in there doing the best she could. We have again video of her begging for help, telling them how much danger we, that they were in. <sighs> anyway. Uh, I do want to talk. I think we. I, I, I want to talk to Brand, Brendan about this later because we were talking um, the other day. We had breakfast, and I was talking about the the third party candidates. Uh, you know, and, and of course, it's not just third party; it's several. We have RFK Jr. We have um, Cornell West, and I can't remember. There's a couple other people running on. It's no labels. It's the Green Party. So we have third, fourth, and I was telling him that you know I haven't seen RFK Jr. do the work. Leading up to wanting to lead the United States of America. And somebody made the point that, you know, that happens all the time. Donald Trump wasn't doing the work and he became president. And so, yes, to some voters, it doesn't matter. So I guess what I want to really focus on then is what has the Green Party done? What has no labels done in the ensuing years since the last time they got were just the, the gunk in the cogs of our electoral process. I'm just wondering, I mean, of course they can do this. 
Of course they can run, and you should run if you want to. But then what are you doing in between? Are you fighting for fair votes? Are you ranked choice voting? Wouldn't it make sense for in the, t- the, the time periods where they're not focusing on state and national races for the Green Party, for no labels? Because that's how they get elevated. That's how they actually have a shot is that we have ranked choice voting and how people fundamentally can have their voices heard. So where is the Green Party and No Labels and whatever other organizations, all these other organizations, which I might know more about if I saw their presence in between every election or, or telling us that these are some of the things that they're going to fight for? Uh, because that's how I, th- I believe uh, we can uh, perhaps disrupt the two-party system that we have. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, Terry. Trying to make sense of things. Good luck with that. (laughs) Anyway, Friday night, yeah, right. Friday night, they're going to have a, ABC is going to have a chorus of women with difficult pregnancies who've gone through this insanity in their different states. I've already watched it. I've watched uh, several times now since the Roe v. Wade has been turned over. And it gets more. inhumane every time you see it. I mean, two things I can think of. I had an emergency appendectomy and a gallbladder appendectomy. about. Can you imagine being in the operation room and they called the third party right. and said, well, what should we do to Jim here? Should we take it out or should we leave it in or what should we do? I mean, that's how preposterous, that's how crazy this is getting. And, uh, to make you know, it, 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 to, and then the, the, you know, the privacy issue. I know that we're all on board on this, but it's really getting to be a. Uh, I mean, people are going to die as a result of this, and oh. doctors are going to leave cities and so on and so forth. This is well, we don't you know, insane. Jim, I, I, you know, you you had brought up a long time ago, like last year or maybe right after uh, Roe fell, I believe you were the caller that reminded us of how Ireland responded after a woman went into sepsis and that right. was what really gave the momentum and energy to making abortion legal in Ireland. And I I, I believe, and I, I this is something I should do some research and get some folks on to talk about, I believe a lot of the states that have banned abortion are also not necessarily reporting when there are complications, fatalities, those guys, I, we don't know that women haven't died from not having access to abortion well, care. Man, you have, you're, you're very busy. I've been, I'm stuck here, and I watched a couple, this couple of programs where they have a chorus of women. I'm talking about twelve brave women that come forward and tell their stories about blood tests and when their pregnancy was stopped and stalled and so on and so on. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable you're watching this in the 21st century. And, and anyway, one thought I had, as long as everybody's uh, Googling everything, why don't they Google who delivers the best health care in the world and why don't we aspire to that? That right. confuses me. Well, the other, I, I in, in addition to what you, you know, the all of these things, whether it's the women who are talking about the the hurdles they have to navigate in order to yeah. have health care, you know that in Texas their infant mortality rate has gone up eight percent. Now, if you found out that the babies were dying and you made a certain change, you would go, you know, there's a cause and effect here. 
partly because women are, are not going to their OBGYNs because a lot of the OBGYNs are leaving the state or going someplace else or going into different practices. Uh, so why, why don't they? I thought that they were about pro-life and they don't seem to care that babies are dying as a result of their policies. Well, I know. Do they care? The point, the point is, is that people's lives are being put in jeopardy. Their privacy is being uh, being violated by third parties. Uh, no politician should be in with a doctor and you with uh, yep. in a room. Anyway, Perry, it's supposed to be on Friday night. It's uh, ABC, I think. Okay. Uh, there'll be another chorus of women with the same thing. Anyway, Perry, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so there's a there is a, an article in ProPublica about why uh, so maternal deaths are expected to rise under abortion bans, but they, it's going to be very hard to measure that. Uh, and I so they have different language in um, in how they report complications, uh, whether or not there were chronic health conditions underlying. So they may not report it as a result of being unable to get the abortion. They can report it as, well, there was an underlying health condition, which they wouldn't have died from had they not, had they not been forced to continue the pregnancy. There is a study by the University of Colorado that estimates a 24% increase if we go to a federal ban of maternal death rates, 24% increase in pregnant women dying if we go to a, f- a federal uh, federal ban on abortion. So right now, we and even higher for black patients, it will go to thirty an estimated 39% mortality rate for black women who are unable to have access to abortion care. Uh, uh, this is so frustrating. Okay. Let's. Uh, I feel like I need to put some uh, distance in between talking because we're going to talk to a judge. We're going to talk to Judge Linda Davenport, and we've talked about this before. The problem we've we've come into is that I believe, and and I don't know. I mean, throughout my, all I can base this on is my experience and what I've read since I started paying attention to the Supreme Court's impact on women's access to health care. And that is that what I have seen since the 80s is that question during those hearings with potential Supreme Court justices, right? They're asked, they've been asked that question. I, and I, I should take a look and see when they started asking, do you support abortion? What, how would you vote in uh, the case, any cases that challenge Roe v. Wade? And it seemed like it, it and I could be wrong, and you know that I am always open to being corrected. It seemed like that was something that was started by conservatives. And so that became the question every single time, which politicizes it. And to say that we, you know, we want ju- judges to be apolitical in this environment, how, how do we get there? But I want to learn more about uh, Linda Davenport's career, uh, what inspired her to go into the legal profession, uh, what, you know, what her path has been to become a judge in the third district appellate courts in Illinois. And we'll have that conversation when we come back. 773-763-9278. That's a number to call or text. We'll be right back after this on the Heartland Signal. 
the family meeting. There's a practical use to social media. And I know it's it's hard to watch some of the garbage that comes across, the, the silly videos, and you, you don't want everybody to tell you every little thing they're doing. And I don't care about your little you eating the pizza. I don't, I don't care about that. It's no, but it's no different than opening up a newspaper or a magazine and going, well, that article I'm not interested in. That article right. I'm not interested in. I'm, gonna be, I'm interested in one. Or, or, or oh. thumbs down it or whatever you do to it so it yeah, doesn't show up it's anymore. the same thing. But it's also an opportunity for you to spread the word, right? Tune into the family meeting Sundays at 4. Find Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, folks. I'm Kurt Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer, like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to welcome to the studio the uh, third, the Illinois Third District Appellate Court Judge. A, a, a or the or Linda Davenport will explain it all to me. Hey, oh, Judge. Hi. It's how just you hey there. Hey, hey how there. are you? I'm good. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Excellent. Good. Welcome. I know. I, I feel like I, I mess everybody up when I uh, they put those headphones. On. I feel like I should I should have like special ones for my guests. Oh, you look great. Thank you. You look fantastic. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. And so I, I know we we interviewed you at the event, the comedy event uh, for DuPage County, right? And uh, we talked briefly about your career and what mm-hmm. led you to the legal profession. So let me go. We're going to do it again. Okay. And we're going to do like Judge One Hundred and One. Judge One Hundred and One. Well, Linda first One Hundred and One. Sure. So where'd you grow up, my friend? Lagrange. Lagrange. Yes. Went and to LT. Don't ask me to sing the fight song, although I. Could. I, you know, it's so funny. I thought I could sing my fight song from Lane Tech, and then I ran into somebody who knew all the words, and oh, I was no. like, "Yeah, they're, yeah." Have you run into those those former classmates at the reunion? The one that I chose to go to, which was a tragic error. Oh no! It was our fiftieth. Oh God! Yeah, no, it was uh, frightening. I'm sorry. You're old enough to have gone to your fiftieth reunion, girl. I am seventy years old. Get the. Shut the front door. I am. I am. <laughs> well done, Judge. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Okay, so you so you grew up in Lagrange. Yep. Uh, was your family? Uh, were there any lawyers in your family? Or no, my no lawyers. Th- my dad thought he was a, a lawyer. <laughs> he liked to argue. Yeah. Okay. But it was not. No. No, not. My mother was, in effect, a judge just because she told us all what to do. So, yeah. No. And what did you set out to do? What did you th- What did you think you wanted to do once you graduated from high school? Or what were some of your dreams as a kid? Graduating from high school was okay. the first one. All that right. was a big deal. Um, surviving that, when I graduated from high school, because I was always accident prone, my dad gave me a, a set of crutches to take to college with me as a no. graduation gift. He did. Because well, I'm, I'm actually writing a book about, because I just realized how many times I've been to the hospital oh, let's not from the that. age of three, and then oh. but also as a caregiver for my dad, my mom, my sons. Um, but I, I, went, I, was, I was, when I started looking at all the times, at three, at six, Seven at eight, nine, twelve, sixteen, yeah. seventeen. Yeah. So those are all like I had pneumonia. I fell on my face on the on the playground, had stitches, broke my ankle, chipped my kneecap. So yeah. all those kinds of things. You similar? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Lions Township High School was down at the uh, state for the championship basketball championship in seventy. 
and of course WGN was down there was covering it all and all that and they heard an announcement that uh, a fan appears to be injured so the camera pans over and yeah I'm being escorted out I fell off of the bleachers the game was delayed. Yeah, no, I'm, oh, no. I was I was a wreck when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. So so not only did the whole everybody in, in the in the gymnasium see you fall. Now oh, it's yeah. on camera, right? Having Which when you be- you're 17, it's like no. death is that you are at the center of anyone's attention. That's intense. Yes, Judge. <laughs> no, so I got that. Um, yeah, that. Do was, you still have a video of that? I bet oh, you. I no, wonder, dear God, no. I wonder if we could dig that well, up. Someone will, please. I'm so glad I brought that up. <laughs> But no, it didn't happen. I went away to college, yeah. University of Colorado, where I think I spent four years. I'm not sure. Okay, My fair dad enough. says I did. Okay. Um, came home and wanted to go to law school and had a degree in broadcasting. Uh, really? Yes, radio and television broadcasting, a uh, long time ago. And uh, there were three positions on the air for the three networks, ABC, CBS, NBC. That was it, of a person who covered the Supreme Court. And I thought, I should do that. I could do that. I would be that person. Not realizing that there's only three people in the whole country that do that job. So I went to law school, and then I thought, nah, it's not going to happen. So I started my own firm. Wow. So you started your own firm. Yep. Okay, so you go to law school, because when people go to law school, though, they have a specialty. What oh, was, no, no. You just it, you graduate with a degree. You one degree. But did you have in mind what you wanted to specialize in? I wanted to be in a courtroom. Okay. Uh, first year, you just go to paper classes, you know, and you try to stay awake. And um, then the second year, I got in a program called 7-Eleven, which is where you're allowed to work under the direct supervision of a... Uh, like a public defender or state's attorney. Okay. So I was able to do that, and I was in a courtroom down at the old 26 in California, um, the old courthouse. It was phenomenal. I walked in there, and I thought, I don't ever want to leave. Wow. Yeah. I don't talk to many people who are seem to have as much of a sort of glow about them talking about their careers. Like, I know a lot of angry lawyers. Yes. Burned out lawyers, uh, disillusioned lawyers, people who told me that I shouldn't go to law school, like all that kind of because I've thought about going even at, after 50. I thought, mm-hmm. maybe I'll go to law school. Yeah? Yeah. Why right. not? And, well, I really wish there were more classes online, but that's neither here nor there. True. Yeah. But, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'll figure it out at some point if, if I want to, because now my mom's listening, telling me, see, you could have been a judge. See? See? So you, so you started practicing right out, right out of law school, have your own firm. Right. No clients. No, cl- <laughs> no clients. I was in an attic. Um, in fact, I was sitting in a bubble in Downers Grove, um, in May and saw the, I looked out the window because I had no clients, and I saw the smoke from O'Hare when the plane crashed in May of 1978. Uh, yeah, the TWA. Yeah, yeah, I was there. 79. 79, 79 pardon okay. me. Yeah, and um, I, was, was, I watched I, it. Wow. And so, I mean, I no, I had no clients. Um, started going door to door to churches and said, hey, give me your senior citizens club. Let's talk about doing changing your wills. I could type. So I typed and did a bunch of wills for people, and then their kids needed, you know, a traffic ticket or a divorce or bought a house, and I just kept doing it. People would call the office. I would put myself on hold and then come back with a different voice so that <laughs> they thought I actually had staff, yes, you know. Right. But no, I, and when I went on the bench in 06, we had our own building, 7,000 square foot building and a lot of lawyers and a lot of staff. So we worked hard. Yeah, you really built that from the bottom up. Yeah. Or from the from the top down because you were in an attic. It was definitely the bottom. It was well, the you, bo- were, <laughs> you were in an attic and you expanded from there. Very true, very true. That's incredible. Yeah. When when did you know, when did you feel like, okay, I, I, I have a handle on this? When did you, when, when was the first big expansion for you? Um, 
sitting at a Chinese restaurant, writing on the back of a menu what a game plan for my future would be with uh, my husband and a partner, another lawyer, and we were going to what we wanted to do. We wanted to build a building, hire staff, bring in other lawyers, and because in the meantime I was having kids and sure. I wanted to be able to keep my family. So. I think I've probably been out about eight years. I knew where the courthouse was. I, I knew how to address appropriately and not totally embarrass myself. And I felt like I can help. And then I won custody of a case uh, of a little boy. Um, and that one was a big deal for me. That I, I said, holy smokes. Uh, I grew up thinking my dad's motto was go get mad, you know, make a difference, whatever right. you do, just make a difference. Right. And I made a difference. And, I, and that's a really heady feeling for a lawyer. It's also the feeling when you get very scared because you could make a difference. Right. Yeah. That's remarkable. Really a, a wonderful story. Did you marry a lawyer then? I did. Uh, yes. I was telling the story the other day. He has been a lawyer 50 years. I've been a lawyer 45 years. Uh-huh. I never changed my name. As a nice Italian boy, I was not exactly what they thought he would marry. We were on our 25th wedding anniversary at a restaurant that's no longer in Elmhurst, at Cafe Parisienne. And I said to him, you know, honey, for our 25th anniversary, I'm considering changing my name. Oh. And he said, to what? At which point <laughs> I threw a roll at him because yeah. I was like, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. It was a, the grand gesture. Never mind. So, no, we have uh, two daughters that are lawyers. Um, and uh, my son is not. He thinks we're all crazy. He's a scientist in our family. Uh, oh, well, if you're going to, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're going to buck the trend, you may as well sure, go be so. a scientist. Yeah. yeah, but there's only one judge, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> That's fantastic, but when okay, hold on a second. So you so you tell your husband that you're gonna you're gonna change your name. Yeah, well, I didn't. Um, but what, what, after 25 years, you felt like you felt like you know this would be a nice. It was a grand gesture as a, as a gift. I to didn't him. give him a gift. I thought yes. it was cheap. I thought I could get away with it, and it would be meaningful. But apparently, I was dramatically wrong <laughs> at that point. So. You know, he because he gave up worrying or thinking about it. Did he? Did he? It never occurred to him that I. I think he thought I was going to say. Bozo? I mean, he really had no idea. He thought, like, your first name or what? And he had he had no clue. <laughs> Linda Shiny Pants Davenport is what I want to be. Who knew? Who knew? Right. Saw my new business card. Right. Wow. That's really funny. I love that. We're, we're talking to Judge Linda Davenport. She is the judge of the, third, the Illinois Third District Appellate Court. Correct. She is up for re-election, so she will be in your ballot, uh, on your ballot in DuPage in the Third District. So right. the Third District has about how many? It has seven counties. Seven counties. Key, Iroquois, Grundy, LaSalle, Bureau, DuPage, and Will. Mm-hmm. Two million people. Oh, wow. So the way it works are there are about 1,100 judges in Illinois. Total. Total. So you have um, about 950 of them are trial judges. You go get a traffic ticket. You're getting a divorce. You have an estate claim. You're going to a trial court. Right. That's what you're hearing. If you lose there in Illinois, you have an absolute right to appeal up to the appellate court. There's only 54 of us in the state. And we're divided into five districts. Cook is its own, obviously. I'm in the third district with those seven counties. And that's it. If you lose in the appellate court, you're doing really poorly at that point. You have to get permission to go to the Supreme Court in Illinois. Okay. And then from the Supreme, and there's seven justices there. So that's your pyramid, seven at the top in Illinois, Supreme, 54 appellate, and about 950 um, 
trial judges. All right. We're going to learn more when we come back because now I have questions about appeals. I'd come back to that. I may know somebody in my family who uh, had an appeal and won an appeal, and I'm just really glad my dad didn't have to go to jail. More to this on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal. We are talking to Judge Linda Davenport. More when we come back. The Santita Jackson Show. We need to understand what the folkways and mores are of a country before we go. I think because America has been the country with the biggest stick for more than 100 years, there's a certain incredulousness with which we react when we are arrested in these other countries. When they have laws that we unknowingly or knowingly flout or break, we're not able to just walk away. The Santita Jackson Show, weekday mornings at 6 on WCPT 820. Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for joining us on WCPT 820. We are hanging out in studio with Judge Linda Davenport. She told me to just call her Linda. I don't do that because when people have earned a position, as not, and not just a position, but uh, as important as being a judge on the Illinois 3rd District Appellate Court, uh, Judge was explaining to us all the different layers of that. You mentioned something about uh, when someone comes to the appellate court on appeal, right? You, you can uh, have an outright decision or overturn. Are there are those ever jury? Are those only by the, the judges by so decision? The way it works is there's seven. So remember, I said when you're in a, in a trial judge, you're the only one in the courtroom wearing okay. the black dress. You're the one who makes the call. Okay. If there's a jury, there's issues that are attributable to the jury, and then there's issues that have to be done only by the judge. On the appellate court, there's seven of us, but we work in panels of three. So it's the perfect situation because I can have an idea, and the other two people assigned, and it's random of the seven of us, they can say, No, Linda, did you think about this? Did you think about that? No, you're crazy. Try this angle. And the three of us have to come to a consensus. Two out of three have to agree. Did the trial court do it right or was there a mistake? Okay. So on the appellate court, we don't retry the case. What we do is we take the record, which is all the pleadings, all the transcripts, everything. We read them and we say, hey, you know what? This was wrong. This shouldn't have been done this way. This was the misapplication of the law, whatever. Or the judge did it right. It was done right. So we have lots of options. We can affirm the trial court. We can reverse the trial court. We can decide that they did it wrong and we're going to send it back and have new trials. So we have a lot of options, but it really is a more in-depth analysis of what happened at the trial court because every case anywhere in the U.S. Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court, it always starts in a trial court, in a little trial court right. somewhere. Yes, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. That's amazing because I think that we, in the last few years, we've had, oh, look, ever since uh, O.J. Simpson, we've somehow had eyes in courtrooms. Mm-hmm. I don't remember before that. Do you? What, no, not very much. Not very much mm-hmm. at all. What was that like for you seeing, like, as a lawyer in, in the 90s, now all of a sudden there, there are cameras in courts. This is a very high-profile drama. There are celebrities involved. Uh, now we're kind of seeing the really how the, the sausage was 
was made, sure. which was weird. Yes. <laughs> what did you do? You remember? I remember sitting around a coffee table when the with other lawyers in my firm, you know, and we were just sitting there with pizza and watching the verdict uh, because of the time change. You know, we we were there. We were there late, and it was extraordinary. Yes. Um, you saw the power of the judge to control or not control the courtroom, which. <laughs> I think certainly made it more of a circus than it had to be. Yes. Um, I think we learned a lot about that. Illinois has very specific rules about how, whether you can have cameras in courtrooms and on what kind of cases and, and making sure that we protect jurors and witnesses that are coming in um, to keep them protected. So, no, there's rules. But the courtroom is a big deal. I mean, the one thing is you step up and when you take an oath— you're, you, you raise your hand. You're going to defend, protect and defend the Constitution of the state of Illinois and the United States Constitution. So as a judge, it's a big deal. I mean, I, I've been a judge now for 17 years, and I'm thankful every day that I get to do this job. I still love it after 45 years. I still love what I do. I, I know a few judges who have similar sentiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor Dempsey, Jer- Judge Mayor Dempsey, uh, there's a lot of other, uh, that just the first one that comes to mind because I was at an endorsement session. Uh, and, and so for folks who don't know, there are committees uh, throughout Illinois. Uh, in Chicago, we have committeemen of the, the Cook County Committee, you know, for all uh, 50 wards mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago. And so they had a, an endorsement session, and I was absolutely blown away by, by several presentations and she's I believe one of the few that was that won their uh, election and uh, and I've talked to her and, and she has a very similar take I, like, that you seem to have which is this commitment to the way our laws are written and the way we uphold them and the way a judge can impact uh, what our how our laws have a meaning in our lives how it has structure to society right it is and it's a good thing to explain how judges are put on the bench because it's not just you know you just decide hey um it's like todd house of toast i mean they just put in and you get it so for example in dupage county where i came from uh there are associate judges and circuit judges and that's true remember i talked about the trial judges Mm -hmm. that's what i'm talking about there's two classifications of trial judges associates and circuits so say that rick decides he wants to become a judge he's going to put in to become an associate judge He's picked by the circuit judges. So in DuPage County, there's 48 judges right now. Fifteen of them are circuits. The rest are associates. So when there's an opening, someone retires, whatever, the 15 have to pick who's going to become the next judge. And so lawyers put in applications, they're vetted, and then the 15 decide. So who picks the 15 is the issue. So that's the voter. So when there's a vacancy, the Supreme Court will take a lawyer or a judge and move them up from maybe associate up to circuit. But then that person has to run for office in the next general election, which is exactly what happened with me. I was an associate judge in 2006. In 2018, I ran and was the first Democrat ever elected in 179 years in DuPage County as a circuit judge. And then when Mary Kay O'Brien won for the Supreme Court last fall, the Supreme Court called me and took me out of my trial courtroom and moved me up to the appellate court, where now I have to run in the next election to win that seat. So that's the process. Voters pick circuits and appellate judges and Supreme Courts. The circuits pick the associate judges. But... We all hear the same kind of cases when you're in the trial court, whether it's a murder or whether it's a traffic case. It's all a trial judge. 
remarkable. It really is. Uh, you know, again, we are seeing right now the headlines, of course, are corruption cases. We have uh, Ed Burke, whose uh, you know the decision was made last week, and then we know that they'll, they'll be even with uh, the Michael Madigan the, the case. A lot of those defendants who were convicted last year, they're awaiting sentencing. I believe their judge has said that they, due to illness, will not be back in court, and they're also wondering whether or not those are going to on appeal. I mean, sure. there's such a, a huge process. I mentioned off the air to you about um, my uh, my brother was murdered by John Wayne Gacy, and so it was years, of course, between, uh, and not for overturning, but that was more of the death penalty aspect of that, which is not an issue mm-hmm. anymore in the state of Illinois since right. George Ryan, Governor Ryan, uh, outlawed the uh, uh, death penalty. I don't support the death penalty. I know people are often surprised by that. I don't think that that's what we should be doing as a government. I don't think that, that that's not anything for you to weigh in on because it's not, it's moot at this point. Well, I have an opinion, but, and so it's my personal, my personal opinions are my personal opinions. Right. Um, and my position is, is that you said, I think your words were, I don't think that's what we should be doing as a government. As a government, yeah. I, I just don't think it's what we should be doing as human beings. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's not. But that's it's, Linda Davenport. Linda Davenport, not Judge Linda Davenport. Linda. Okay, Linda. There you go. Nice talking to Linda. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and, and to that, then you know, there. Uh, my son is. It makes me crazy. Maybe I should have him sit down and talk to you because he has a, a brilliant mind. He's great at debating. He's interested. He's he has, he's getting a degree in history. Yay! Yay my degree. I'm Yay. very excited. Um, but but uh, he listens to the he's listened to the debates, the, ar- the arguments, oral arguments uh, of Roe v. Wade. Yes. Uh, with that, which I I had never, I didn't even know that we had those. You can do that for the Illinois Supreme Court as well. Listen right. to arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and some of the things that were brought up in regards to what the rights of a fetus, the unborn, like the, the language going back and forth, and things like that. And I don't know if people just. Uh, felt as though our justice system was just kind of streaming along or, you know, just kind of chugging along as it was. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Supreme Court. Uh, I have some very strong feelings on that. But it, it hearing the arguments, it, it, it does come down sometimes, even though it's supposed to be the letter of the law. We don't have anything as to what constitutes uh, a, when life begins. That's not something we can even determine. The concept under the law is something called stare decisis, Latin for stair-step decision. So it's stare, S-T-A-R-E, decisis, okay? Stair-step decision, which means our law is supposed to be based upon the history of the law, okay? And I, I like to think of it as two paths kind of going along. And we were talking about this the other day. There's the path of public discourse, mm-hmm. and there's the path of public good, okay? And they just kind of merrily go along in our country since 1789, except in 1789, blacks were three-fifths of a person, and only white men who owned property could vote. Not even just white guys, but white men that owned property could vote. So, you know, we're going along, technologies, or the Industrial Revolution kicks in, and then we have a mortgage crisis in the 1840s because... Southern uh, property owners decided to use as collateral for loans for mortgages their slaves. So then when certain cotton industries started to go under and indigo production went down, and this is all in the book 1619, so I'm not taking credit for this. The bottom line is is that then mortgages, we started to have our 
crisis on a mortgage, which happened again in 2008, which interesting hmm. mortgages and what was bundled in those as collateral. So history keeps going along side by side until there's major eruptions. Take a look at the case Plessy versus Ferguson, uh-huh. 1890s. Separate but equal is okay, and that was the United States Supreme Court. Separate right. but equal isn't okay. It's people complained about that. Then we have Brown versus Board of Education in the 50s. Then we have to get the military in to enforce the law that says, hey, this child can go to school here. So it's only when we hiccup and we really fight that I believe we move forward. So I think the idea of public discourse is not something we we uh, diminish its value, but the idea that it is harmful or planned as a means of advancing a political agenda that's where I draw the line. Yes. And you look, legislators, uh, you know, they craft these laws and that's done by debate as well. Right. That's the, the whole point of our general assemblies and having people from all different parts of the state. They argue, they mold, they you know choose, you know, different words and what, this, what it will apply to. Uh, we can't legislate morality or we can't and we can't legislate kindness. No. <laughs> I mean, these that would be a great fourth branch. You know, <laughs> right? I can see that. The, the kindness branch. Goodness. I'm guessing it's a woman, probably my age or older. <laughs> right? You know, there's going to be cookies. <laughs> so the kindness I branch. Smell it now. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But, and because, like, you can't, right? And so the idea is, to the best of our ability, we're trying to put up guardrails to not hurt each other. Right. And yet now those guardrails are being used to beat people up with, essentially. Right. So you have the executive branch, you have the legislative branch. It's their job to make laws. So the, I think the legislature and or Congress passed, what, 23 bills last year? It's the second worst yeah. in the history of the country. Not a lot got done. No. Um, but then you have judges who are tasked with enforcing those, making sure that they understand what those are and making sure that they're good laws. So every branch has its position, but judges have... Probably the least amount of, um, I guess, response, not responsibility, but they really are the biggest enforcers. We're the ones that figure out whether it's going to stand. So our campaign is judges matter now more than ever. Judges matter. You better look and figure out who they are on the ballot. Absolutely. Yeah. Where they came from, what their background is, uh, how what the kind of work they've been doing. We're we're hanging out with Judge Linda Davenport. She's on the Illinois Third District Appellate Court. She's up for re-election. We're going to continue our conversation. If you have any questions or comments, you can give us a call or text at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. That's the number to join us. More in a moment on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. Hey, Google, play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Judge Linda Davenport. She is a judge on the Illinois 3rd District Appellate Court. And uh, I want to. One of the questions I we talked a little bit about uh, the O.J. Simpson trial and how public that was, uh, but in a fictional way. Are there any legal shows you have ever enjoyed? Because my husband is obsessed, absolutely obsessed with the original Perry Mason series. It's his favorite show. <laughs> Holy smokes! Have um, you ever like? Or is it too hard? Is because it's no, like, you know, it's the uh, Law and Order. It's a da da that one. That show isn't that Law and Order? Yeah, yeah. Um, that it gets 
uh, the crime is committed, the arrest is made, and the trial is all done within an hour. It's extraordinary. <laughs> um, I know that there's issues with trying to make sure that justice is speedy, but that seems to be a bit much right. for one hour. And so that's a problem. I know lawyers uh, have trouble with objections that are uh, wrong or they're ruled incorrectly on shows like that. It would that. be crazy. Yeah, because yeah, then I'll shout out, no, oh, sustained. <laughs> you no. can't relax. No, you can't there's relax. nothing yeah. about those that are how enjoyable. Much, how much did TV impact? How much is TV? Well, two things. First, we'll start with television because everyone who watched CSI all of a sudden was like, well, I, where's the DNA for this case? You're like, right. there, was, there is no DNA involved no. in a forgery case. I don't tell you. <laughs> when, I, when I sat in family court uh, in DuPage for 17 years, um, at the end, I... I would actually say this is not Judge Judy. Let me explain. This is not Judge Judy. You don't get to just stand up here and interrupt and yell and denigrate, and you, you can't do that. There is uh, there is a, a modicum of respect for the process yeah. where you have the right to speak. You have the right to be cross-examined. You have the right to bring in evidence, but it is not just something where we throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. So no, that, no, we're not going to do that. No, so that that would probably be reflected in my next uh, question, which is about social media, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like we see a lot of viral videos where someone is going crazy in court and yelling mm-hmm. at a judge, and the judge reacts. You, you know, I don't know if it's the the horse and the cart. What came first? People lacking respect, not just for people in a courtroom, just in general. True, but it's exacerbated by I think this immediacy of being, you know, satisfied by something online, the adrenaline of hating someone or liking something. Uh, do you see that also? Oh, social media is like the keyboard warriors. Yeah, people who would not. St- look you in the face and say something to you, they can easily post it anonymously and then move on and I'll show you. Right. Okay. Um, social media is huge. In family cases, it was, it is extraordinary, the stuff that uh, we saw, uh, custody cases, posts that people did about, you know, they're with somebody else. Well, unfortunately, dude, you're still married, you know, so not a good decision to put that up on, face, on social media. But so, no, it plays into all kinds of issues with regard to court. Oh, sure. Videos oh, and absolutely. DMs. And, you bet. Oh, oh my you God. Bet. Yep. And every, everything online is forever. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't want to say it forever, don't say it in print. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's it, true. Was it, was it a, uh, I, I mean, it, obviously you seem very content and satisfied with not just your career, but I, I'm proud of being on the bench, as I would think any judge would be. But as I, I've known a lot of lawyers, I've met a lot of judges. Uh, I just I, the earnestness that comes from you is just pal- palatable. Thank you. Yeah. We had I really have had an extraordinary career. I have met the most wonderful and giving people who think creatively, which has always been something I've, um, you know, I'm more like it's black and white, and apparently there's a lot of other colors. I just didn't see them. And so, for example, in the early 90s, you come to court to pay a traffic ticket, but you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, you know, and you got to stand in line, and what's going to happen? So I worked with two other women, two, three other women, to get a daycare center put into the courthouse in oh DuPage County. And we got big corporations to donate toys, and it made, looked good for them, and the ribbon cutting, and we got filing fees. We attached to new, like if you got a divorce, you had to pay a filing fee of an extra dollar, and we took that dollar and helped run the child-friendly courtroom. It's called Safe Harbor. And so we put daycare centers into a courtroom. 
before you knew it, there was one in Kane County, and then there was one in a different nice. county. And through Look the state you. of Illinois, daycare centers, just so that your kids were safe while you could focus on doing what you had to do, then you could pick them up and go home. So it, I was saying it didn't make it better for everybody, but it made it better for that person for that day. Right. And maybe that's my job, is to just make it better for that person for that day. Did a little bit of that, and so maybe this isn't the right way to put this question, but do you come across things that you can see, you can see the way the law is written or the way it's been enforced by you know a police officer or another judge or whatever? You can see that it's having a disproportionate impact on somebody because that sounds a little bit like what you're saying. Too. Sure. Yeah. Um, we had a system in DuPage where we could push a button and talk in any language to whoever it was that was in front of us. I mean, not me. I struggle with English, so um, but other people with other languages and a language line where they would have people waiting and the county would pay a fee to be able to dial up this person and have them translate in person so that the person in front of me could understand what was happening because it's the it isn't that you're fighting the law. You just might not know the law. Right. And that fear colors everything. Sure. And when you don't know what's happening and you assume the worst just because you don't know and no one's taking the time to tell you, that's why I think Illinois, we have this great thing the Supreme Court in Illinois is doing called Access to Judge uh, to Justice, mm-hmm. where they're making forms available throughout the state. They're helping to make sure money gets in the hand of legal aid groups that can give advice to people so that maybe they can resolve it without going to court or without having to hire the lawyer. Um, And I mean, lawyers serve a purpose. They're educated and they know what they're doing. But maybe it's not as necessary when someone has a simple issue that they just need help resolving and they don't know where to go. Right. So some counties have T-shirts on volunteers. As you walk in, they're like bright green that say, I'm a volunteer. How can I help you? And if someone doesn't know where they're going and you walk into a major courtroom, that's a scary process. Yeah. So then you go, okay, you're going to go over here. Here's the form you need. Let me help you. I, I I had a I don't know if I should tell the story because I it, it makes me angry every single time I was uh, I was driven off the road by somebody who had taken an, amphetamines and uh, anti-anxiety medication and uh, I kept the. the they, it took a long time for the urinalysis to come back, wh- what was in his uh, urine. And so they delayed the court date for a while. Well, the day they finally arrived on was the day of my father, my father-in-law's funeral. And my lawyer was traveling. I couldn't get anybody to budge on this. My sisters-in-law were like, you have to go to court because he had been, he had died. It was exacerbated by a car accident. They're like, well, you have to go and hold this person accountable. And I, I didn't want to go to court. And I, it was, and I could not get, I couldn't, I, I tried talking to the person behind like the stenographer I don't know right. I was just trying to get somebody and and then when I finally had got to talk to her she's like why why didn't anyone tell me I was like I didn't try to tell everybody yes right. and and right. I and at one point when I was because we were already there we're off to the races anyway and I had to be appointed a, a, a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, at one point she had to say uh, I understand that you're upset uh, but I'm gonna need you to take it down <laughs> Because <laughs> there was a lot going on. I basically at one point when the, the other attorney said that, you know, my client tried to help you. I said he, he drove me off the road at 11 o'clock at night. I wasn't sure that he wasn't coming to finish the job. Smart. Very good answer. <laughs> I was I was amped. Yes. Yeah. But let's uh, let's take a break. We're going to continue our conversation with Judge Linda Davenport because uh, I am fascinated by your career and, and the work that you do um, and your passion to educate us about that, too, I think is really important for listeners. Let's take a break here. We're going to do another 
another segment with uh, with Judge Linda Davenport, and we're going to check in with our friend Rick Geezer, who is running for DuPage Forest Preserve Commissioner. Is that all correct? Excellent. Uh, so these are all uh, candidates that are going to be on the ballots in um, well, one for the third district appellate court in Illinois that has seven counties, and uh, for DuPage, uh, we'll talk to Rick about his race as well. More after this on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses, says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 9:50 a.m. Can't wait to get back to the Twin Cities uh, soon. Had such a great time there with my family last summer, and uh, I uh, I love when people giggle at my theme song, and especially tonight seeing a judge giggle at my theme song. We have in studio with us from the Illinois Third District Appellate Court, Judge Linda Davenport. Uh, she served for 17 years. Seven, she has been a judge for 17 years. And when the first time when you first became a judge, I mean, was it just, did it feel like wah, 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 or, or was it this incredible moment? I, I don't, I can't even imagine what those emotions would be like. The um, first thing they teach you is that how to zip up your robe so that when you sit down on a chair with wheels, you don't actually catch your robe underneath it and then pull your robe down and smash your face onto the bench, which is really not a good look that for your seems first helpful. day on the bench. Yeah, okay. but we've all known judges that have done it. We've all laughed out loud when they've done it. Um, but the first time that they say, all rise, and you walk in a courtroom, it's um, holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, and it, if you're not impressed, if you're not scared to death, then you're lying. I would imagine. Do you yeah. remember what your first, what kind of case was you had right out of the gate? Or can you tell us? It was a family law case. I know that because that's where I sat in that division. So, um, and I had practiced in that. So I had a lot of friends right. who, who would come in and, you know, they knew me as Linda, but they couldn't say Linda anymore. So, no. No. And no, I just remember being scared. And I remember every night going home and reading and reading and reading and the books would fall, you know, hit you in the face as you fall asleep because... You just wanted to make sure that whatever you did was right, even when it was hard, that it was right. I, I got to imagine not every lawyer, every judge, I mean, uh, is reading all night long. <laughs> I, 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 not for nothing, but uh, I, I get the sense. I don't know about that, and I refuse <laughs> no. to answer that question on the grounds that it will incriminate others. Fair, fair enough right. on that. I'm saying, like, maybe, like, watching, you know, nationally things unfold, you're like, which, well, which law no, books are they reading? <laughs> no, there's some people that you're wondering, how the heck, what mm-hmm. law school did they go to? Right, you know? right. Or how yeah. they, how do they get there? And I think we Correct. think that, that goes also to what I was saying earlier about legislators, Yes, uh, you know, across the country. I mean, we can see in some parts, I, I don't get how some people get uh, Marjorie Trader Green is it comes really, to mind. didn't you think GED was not an, a minimum right at some point I, I don't know I just right. assumed more yeah more yeah. And, and you mentioned that Congress only passed 23 bills last right. year right and some of them might have even been like naming a bridge I don't even know who knows? Yeah. But it wasn't anything I think that I can be proud of that uh, moved my country and my world forward mm-hmm. which I think is our goal I would I, think. I have grandchildren Right. I'm scared to death. I, I have a granddaughter. I'm scared to death. And How? I I can tell you campaigning has been interesting. Um, 
It's not what they teach you in law school. Sure. <laughs> they don't teach you about campaigning at all. Um, and in 2018, I knocked on a lot of doors. It was funny. Actually, no judge had ever done that, really. And I knocked and someone answers the door and I go, hey, I'm Judge Linda Davenport. And they take two steps back. <laughs> so it's like, You're like That's how I why here. are you here? Oh, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm just talking to you about why it's important that judges matter. Um, now it's two million people in seven counties. So I'm in my car driving many different places and talking to people about the education of the judicial system, how we are, what we are doing, what the Safety Act is, what it involves, why police officers in Illinois by 2025 have to wear body cams everywhere in the state. I think that makes going to make my job easier. Any trial judge, if you've got video, it's always nice. Uh, so there's like just that, things. I feel like that legislation passed like 2015 or 16. Oh, no, no. The Safety Act just went into effect September 18th last year, uh, that the no bond, the no bail system. Sure, that part. Yeah, but, that, but this is just one little piece but the of body, that act. Because okay. I, I was in the, because I, I used to cover Springfield. Yes. And I was in I'm the room. Sorry. <laughs> I, I freaking loved it. You know yeah. why? Because whenever they would pass a press box, they're like, oh, my God, you're back. <laughs> that was really fun. But I, I, that's neither here nor there, because, well, I'm glad to hear that we are going to have. Uh, I'm very thankful I live in Illinois. Yeah. Seriously, I really am. Um, nine credit upgrades. Uh, we pay our bills. My granddaughter uh, has rights. Um, yeah. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm glad I live where I Plus, I like the change of seasons. So I, I'm here for it. Although, I'm not sure if I like the way our seasons are changing mm, in yeah. the sense that, I mean, this it's is crazy. So I know. Right. And my husband was all worked up that we were going to have a big snowstorm next week. But I don't believe it's heading our way. You know, they, it's like a scare thing. You know, like in St. Louis, I used to have friends down there and they close the school when it's a half inch of snow. You know, it's like up <laughs> oh here, God. come on. Yeah. I mean, I got married in 70, when was it? 78. Mm-hmm. The, December 30th of 78 was my, and they, the giant snowstorm started. Oh, what? Big, yeah. No, it was, uh, a lot of the people had to check into the hotel. They couldn't get their cars out. Oh, it, that was, that storm was ridiculous. I mean, it was all, yes. I, I remember, I mean, that was the Blandick. Uh, yeah. And then came downfall. back and then uh, in 20, and two weeks later, we came back from our honeymoon. It took three days to get back because of the second big storm, January 15th. Jeez, yeah, we, we were had... throwing luggage by then. It was <laughs> we're lucky we made it 45 years. I remember people, that's amazing. Yeah, you're like, wow, I think we, we're in this for the long haul. Apparently. Yeah. I had a friend who had one of those garages that is like under the house. Oh, yeah. tragic area. Yeah, they were yeah. trapped. Sorry. I will never buy a house like that, whether no. it's the ice, the snow, mm-hmm. the water, right. all those things. Right. All those things. So you you are up for re-election of the it's the actually Illinois. election. So it's not because you weren't elected. You were appointed. Right, I'm just appointed. So now I have to run and win my seat. Okay. She's got to win yeah. her seat, everybody. Yep. And so, I run with two guys. So there are three of us that are running for three different seats. We don't run against each other. Right. Lance Peterson, who is uh, born and raised in Morris, Illinois. And uh, Joe Heddle, who is from Ottawa. Okay. Uh, Joe's a fifth generation farmer. And uh, also the first person in his family to go to college and is a brilliant judge on the appellate court with me. Um, So I run with great guys, really nice guys. Uh, And I know that uh, you are so dedicated to serving people, to upholding the law, to making sure that justice is served. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you. I want to continue our conversation because we're going to take a break here. and We'll welcome uh, Rick Geezer, who is running. He is on the, well, uh, we'll get all the titles, but he's on the the DuPage, uh, I don't know, Carol Stream. We'll, we'll get it all in a minute. <laughs> He's running for the DuPage Forest Preserve Commissioner spot. More in a moment on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. 
This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, folks. I'm Kurt Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer, like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you for joining us as we drive it home till 7. Joining me in studio is the ju- one of the judges of the Illinois 3rd District Appellate Court, Linda Davenport. And we're about to introduce Rick Geezer in just a moment, who's running for the DuPage Forest Preserve Commissioner spot. Uh, before we do that, I w- there's a question I, I missed on our text screen, which is, uh, would you mind discussing the other justices recently appointed to the 3rd District appellate court by the Illinois Supreme Court during the last two years. Absolutely. There have been four openings in the last two years. Um, couple retirements, a death, etc. So as I said, there are seven on the appellate court. So the first one, when the first vacancy happened last summer, a year ago, a year and a half ago now, Joe Heddle, the one who was the state's attorney from um, Ottawa, LaSalle County, he's, he became an, the first appointee. So the Supreme Court has the chance to look at 102 different judges in those seven counties. They vet them and they figure out who is it that is best qualified for this position. So they put they, they go to Heddle and they say, you have to give up your trial court, you give up your judgeship to run the risk that you might not get reapp- you not, might not win and then you're out of the law. So Joe's like I'm doing it. I'm going because you can make a big difference on the appellate court. So he took it. Then there was a judge who was ill and he retired, Lance Peterson, the former state's attorney from Grundy County. 22 years he was on the bench. Joe Heddle, 17 years. He comes on. Then there's a woman, Adrian Albrecht from Kankakee. She's taking a filler seat. She's only going to be on for two years, and then her seat opens up on January 1st of 25 for another appointment. Then Mary Kay O'Brien won for the Supreme Court last year, and that's when I got the call the next day from the Supreme Court that I was being offered the chance to give up my job and risk it all to take this job. And if I lose, I lose. Um, but it's, it's scary. It is a huge commitment. I don't have a primary opponent, and for that I'm very thankful. I do have an opponent who's going to run against me, a, a Republican gentleman. And then Lance Peterson has a Republican that's going to run against him in November. And then Joe Heddle has a primary. So he, another Democrat that's uh, running the risk of Joe Heddle being out of a job. Okay, wow. Yeah. Very scary. And for those who uh, are joining the conversation, Judge uh, Linda Davenport is the first Democrat who was uh, appointed, who was on the appellate court. Not the first Democrat on the appellate court, but the first, oh, the first Democrat ever elected in DuPage County history as history. a circuit court That's judge. That's bigger. You weren't appointed. You were elected. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, that you one. have so much information in your, you, you really uh, lay it out for us so Thanks. concisely that I'm like, it's a lot of pressure for me to, to step up to that. <laughs> no. I, Are you kidding? I know that you, it's so funny because uh, for folks who aren't watching the live stream, uh, Judge Davenport is, I hate to say this to a judge, really adorable. And you know, at 70, I'm not getting the adorable well, word you're adorable. very much. You're, you're adorable. You. <laughs> uh, but I get the sense that like you will lower the boom when you need to. And uh, and I freaking Has love that. Has happened occasionally, yes. yes. <laughs> thank you. And I met you through our friend Rick Geezer, who is on the Carol Stream board. No, 
remind me of your title the there. The Carroll Stream Village Board. There, so I have. Yes, I I'm have, on the, it's the was, town council. I was missing one, Village yeah. Board. And you also work with the DuPage Dems. I do. And uh, do a lot of great work with fundraising, amplifying, elevating great uh, electeds and candidates like Judge Davenport. I do want to make sure you, everyone knows about all the great great things happening in DuPage County. Excellent. And you also, you ran for president of the board. I did. And came short. We I don't know how we, I don't know how you say it. We, you know. I lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate saying I lost, but. I lost. I was not successful in my yes. pursuit of the seat. Yes. Uh, and now you're running for the Forest Preserve, which I love following your journey uh, and, and, and sharing with folks the highlights of the Forest Preserve in your area. I've been doing that a lot just because I hike a lot, but tell us a little bit about this journey. Well, it's so important uh, just for, for, for my mental health just to get out into the world, into the woods, into nature. And it's something I've done my whole life. And and during uh, the, the lockdown, it's just something that saved us and that we were able to go out there, spend time together, be out in the world, meaning my wife. We'd be out there and we would just see all the terrific things happening in the forest. And it's so interesting what happens in forest preserves and especially in DuPage County because here you have an an, an opportunity to see the natural it's it's a museum really of the 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 natural history of the county as well as the cultural history because within these forest preserves you have homesteads you have manors you have estates um, so you get to see exactly a snapshot of what the world and what the county look like and I think it's just a real special opportunity uh, and we're really lucky to have these uh, in in our state I agree I I. I wish I saw. I don't know if my Cook County commissioners are uh, sharing as much as you are about our forest. I, I go right over here. We have the Caldwell Woods, and uh, you know, the, uh, there's a really Im- incredible forest preserve system throughout uh, Northern Illinois, and of course, we throughout the state. Um, what are your plans? I know we talked a lot about bike paths when I was up in DuPage. We talked a lot about uh, you know whether it's not just preserving but uh, encouraging more people to participate. Well, that's one of the things is that you. You know, we've got such great facilities and and preserves throughout northern Illinois connections. Right. You know, so if we can create bike paths and walking trails that connect to each other throughout the area, it becomes such a valuable resource that so if we can take trails from DuPage County into Kane County into Cook County, uh, you'd, you'd have these vast expanses of, um, of opportunity and, and nature. I think that's, that's something I will be looking into definitely is, is definitely trail connections. That's the one thing mm-hmm. people really want. And the other thing that uh, the, the Forest Preserve District just commissioned a survey of, of residents and stakeholders, and one of the main things people said is they didn't know about it. Yes. They don't know about it. Yeah. They know there's a forest down the street, but they don't know all the opportunities and programming. No, it's not a park district, so you're not going to have a baseball league, and no, you're not going to have pickleball courts and all that type oh, of God. stuff. But, <laughs> Enough with the pickleball. But, I don't know what's happening there. But, but there's I, so yay, many opportunities right. within the Forest Preserve, and that's one of the things, you know, you've known me for years. I, I love to communicate and share my passion for this. And that's one of the things I will definitely do is share 
what's going on, the good and the bad, within the Forest Preserve and how we can improve and get to the next level. Can you? Is there camping in the DuPage Forest Preserve and system? Many of them, several of you them. You can go yes. camping. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kayaking, canoeing, I'm guessing. Right? Yeah, there are, because the, the, the DuPage River runs through, so there's the east and west branch. So Animal rescue. You're right. Yeah, they just built a wonderful new facility to help with animal rescue and, and rehabilitation of, of wounded animals. Yeah. It's it's funny because for a while when I was hiking in the Cook County Forest Preserves, yeah, I was I was out there alone a lot, and then it started getting crowded, and I was like, "Are people hearing about my videos? <laughs> like, am I am I am I mishandling this and now ruining my own experience?" No, well, that's it's something I I've been doing is I sh- I'm sharing my yes. adventures in the woods, but I want people to know that just within. Within steps of of most yes. people's houses yeah. in DuPage County, you have a wonderful facility. So education, just like the judge, we're educating about, you know, she's educating about the judicial system. I've learned so much about the judicial system because of, you know, of course, we've all want to know more about judges and all that right now. But... There's so much that we can learn, and we we should educate more people about what happens within our areas and what's happening within our governments. Yeah, I agree completely. What? Uh, how many people? How many positions are there of, that are up for the Cook County Forest Preserve Commissioner spots? Uh, DuPage County. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, in my district, there uh, there's just a one position. There are six districts within DuPage County. Okay. There are six commissioners. I will be running in. Uh, I don't have a primary opponent, but I will be running in November against uh, a Republican. Um, incumbent. I, I, I'm not laughing that a Republican could, you know, be invested in the forest reserves. I, mean, I just I imagine them like wanting to cut it down for all kinds more of more pickleball. Yeah. More pickleball. Well, that, and I'm exactly. trying to understand: was pickleball the winning answer in the selection of the name for the sport? I, because I, what were the losing ones? I don't know. If pickleball I, won, it is such a it's such a weird battle in Chicago right now. Like taking over some of the courts that like for the kids are using for other things, and uh, they want to open up there's a church that has the archdiocese closed down and they want to they want the property for a pickleball club i'm like how, how i mean no I, i've just lost the pickleball voters I, me too i'm guessing I, i'm I, sorry I, I, there's a community well and my well, let's not get into it but there's an old department store not far from uh, just on the other side of carol stream and wheaton that just opened up as a pickleball ball facility Okay. So 24 hours, and it's open 24 hours, and I think they're serving alcohol there. I don't want to see 70-year-olds. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> is it like somewhere between, is it is it like the, the sort of halfway point between ping pong and tennis, and you're like, we'll just play pickleball? I don't oh, know. No. Being I, the conversation we had an hour ago, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing pickleball. Film at 11. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. No, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so do you go, do you have a chance to appreciate? Like to, to go hiking and ki- you mentioned kayaking in the DuPage Forest Preserve. I we do, and it is extraordinary. There's a wonderful project over going on in Hinsdale right now with the Graw Mill and trying to rehabilitate that whole area, which is phenomenal. So no, the, it's it's wonderful. It's just a nice chance to get and walk. Yeah, yeah that's um, Fullersburg yeah. Woods, yeah. and uh, at least if you're in DuPage County, every elementary school kid goes there. For a field trip at right. some point or another. To watch them mill the, the grain. Yeah. Um, and it, it's run by the water. And it's just a phenomenal trip. That's and, great. And they're redoing it right now to make it more user-friendly, uh, to really make the museum livable. That's fantastic. And they just, yeah. the, you know, they've naturalized the stream. They took away the, the recent man-made dam there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
and it's just become spectacular. And with kayaking, now you can traverse the whole stream. Right. And is the funding for that a combination of a state funding, municipality, uh, you know, people who are donating? What, what, where, how is that managed? Um, it's, you know, they have their own, uh, you know, their own taxing okay you know body. Yeah, gotcha yeah, yeah. it comes so out that, of our real estate taxes okay. and, and the like uh, but also f- uh, grant money that there we've you been go. requesting was, from yeah. federal great. and state agencies because we cleaned up we yours truly did not <laughs> sit out there and do this but other people much more qualified than me uh, have done many things to clean up the river so the condition of the water is much better than it was in the yeah. past so we're utilizing any grant money that we can for the state Dan Hebriard is the president of the uh, four of the uh, DuPage Forest Preserve District, and he has done a great job at trying Terrific. to reach out and get grant money to help defray the costs so that the citizens don't pay it, but they get the benefit. And That's there's a group, there's the Salt River, Salt River um, Work Group that works to prevent flooding through the area, to improve the, the water, uh, and to increase the, the life within the river and around the river. And for folks who are wondering about uh, Rick Geezer's background, in addition to serving on the board of Carroll Stream Village, uh, he also uh, celebrated the other day. He was uh, today was a th- it was the thirty second anniversary of six seventy the score going on the air, <laughs> and uh, you were the first morning show executive producer. And I did not know that you guys use the eight twenty frequency. We do, yes, yeah. exactly. That's we amazing. We started there uh, nineteen right uh, ninety two. Wow, thirty two years ago. That's crazy. Crazy, yeah. and you and I have known each other. I can vow, I will vouch. He's my guy. Rick Geezer's been my guy since 2002. I know that because it was December 2002. I was just newly pregnant. I yeah. just found out I was pregnant. Uh, I was opening for Will Durst. The middle act was, uh, oh, what was his name? Orly Adams. Orly Adams. He was such Great a jerk. Name. Anyway, I, <laughs> he told me I was never going to be successful as a comedian because I was too happy. I was, it, it, me and Rick, I, like when I eventually told Rick about my life, he was like, uh, I don't know what to do with any of this. But um, but Rick became my publicist. He approached me and said, I really want to work as your publicist and did extraordinary work for with me and for me. Uh, was also my booker for a while and uh, be, then went on to be the publicist and continues to be the publicist for Zany's Comedy Clubs. Yeah, I'll be going uh, there after this. Does it, who's up tonight? Uh, Sam Talent. I don't know Sam Talent. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Rising, rising. Sure, that yeah. means uh, that means social media star. Yeah. I guess he's twelve. He's <laughs> twelve with fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, he's minutes. been in the game a bit, but oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm just teasing. Uh, Sam, if you're there, I, I apologize. Uh, you can send me lists sometimes. You know, there's a few. We've we've we have some comics I on the show. I will start doing that. Uh, but we, you know, Dwayne's a regular on the show. Uh, J- Joe Kilgallen and Paul Farvar and Adam Great Burke guys. were all on yesterday. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just uh, the world of comedy. Uh, so Rick has been in, in broadcasting. He has been a, a publicist. He's Serves as a, a public servant. What, what was the what was the draw for you to want to run for the board of Carroll Stream Village? Well, working in broadcasting, I bounced around the country there for a while, and I, I just I remember growing up that my my parents were very involved in the community, and I, I thought that was kind of cool. And I thought, you know, first of all. You, you kind of were in, and you, you were kind of in on what was going on within the community. You knew things, and uh, and you could see how effective 
uh, as the judge said, that you you were helping someone, you were helping people's lives, making it better. Right. And I and I decided once we decided to buy a house and build roots, that uh, I would do the same. And uh, and I, I did that. I started getting involved in the community. At first, I was the uh, police and fire commissioner, where I would hire and discipline and uh, dismiss. Uh, firefighters in our community. I did that for about a year and a half, and then I was like, you know, it's time for me to run. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do. Before we go to the break, we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, Brandon Hennigan in a moment. He's an author of a book called The Hard Road. Uh, before we do that, I, I you you mentioned something about uh, going door to door, door knocking as a, a candidate for judge. Uh, I it, it is I, I can't impress upon people who are running for, for office enough how important it is. I, I know it seems ineffective, but it really is the best way to get your message out because when you show up on their front porch, they tell my they tell their friends, they tell their family, they're like, a judge showed up on my porch. Can you tell folks who are running for office how important it is to go door knocking? Both of you. It is you critical. First. I can tell you that ring doorbells has made it hard because I, uh, I, la- I leave a lot of messages. Uh, but bottom line is, I've had the best conversations. I've been in people's living room sitting and talking for half an hour. Yeah. It's just been phenomenal. I learned so much. I, you know, I enjoy it. Excellent, and you, Rick. What are the what are the benefits and the what's the importance of going door knocking? Well, you learn about the, the priorities, the interests of the community, yeah. whatever town you're in. Knocking on the door, um, I've I found out that you know uh, trail connections are important to people. When I was running for mayor and village and village board, you'd find out how what what the things are the people really are interested in. So try to solve those problems mm-hmm. and then all the other stuff, it's gravy. Yep, I agree. Well, thank you both so much. I'm going to take a break here. We're come back and, and welcome Brandon Hannigan into the studio, the author of The Hard Road. And he's worked on political campaigns, too. So I do want to talk. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm wondering if I, I should have a Gen Z correspondent and, and just and meaning like, let's have this conversation. We keep talking about Gen Z without Gen Z being in the room. So uh, let's have that conversation in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for joining us. We are driving it home until 7 p.m. Uh, we've been talking to Judge Linda Davenport, who is on the ballot for the Illinois 3rd District Appellate Court for election. She has been appointed and now is going to win the seat. I, I feel very confident about that, but uh, I'm not going to make her uh, make that kind of uh, statement. So thank you so much for hanging out with us, Judge. Rick Geezer, who is on the board of the Carroll Stream Village, uh, he's the board of trustees or just board? 
uh, Village Board of Village Trustees. Board. Yeah. And joining us now is Brendan Hennigan, who's written the book The Hard The Hard Road. And come on closer to that microphone, my, my friend. Uh, Brendan was in with us last week, and I wanted to invite him back. We talked a lot about his book. Uh, I don't know if uh, my other guests have ever heard of Slab City, uh, but I now know. So he took a road trip and, uh, during the pandemic, and this is an, an extraordinary dive into the, the journey that he was on. Uh, it fictionalized in, in some ways, yes? Yeah, it's autobiographical fiction. Yeah. Uh, some things are uh, fictitious, you know, just for creativity purposes. Uh, but it is autobiographical, and uh, I I wrote it to tell a story. Yeah, that's it, my it, story and the story of uh, my two friends. And and you have been writing uh, journalistically as well. You've been uh, contributing to the the neighborhood na- newspaper that I actually used to deliver when I was uh, fourteen years old, uh, and really enjoyed going. Around. Did you ever deliver the newspaper? Oh no! No, you just want to. You're like, you know, I'm not going to deliver that paper. I'm going to write for it someday. And <laughs> yeah, my dad did though, way oh, back funny. in 1971. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and we were hanging out the other day, and I, I don't know if you heard me talking about this earlier when I was talking about uh, Gen Z a little bit. But also, I said something over breakfast uh, about how you know when there's someone running for another party, third, you know, whether it's no names or the Green Party, and I was saying that uh, where where were they? Where have they been since the last election? What have they been doing to work up to running for the most important job in the world. And I think we had a little bit of back and forth. Your, your dad mentioned something about how um, uh, nobody seems to care. Voters don't seem to care. We, okay, fine. But don't you think, have we talked at all about ranked choice voting? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that if, if these other parties, don't you think that that would be a good path for not just their own amplification, but also for their candidates, is to fight for that? 100%. Because... Voters aren't energized, and voting is a right. You can choose whether or not you want to exercise it. And if the people running aren't worth voting for, then that obviously creates a big conundrum. Right. And uh, something, uh, you know, we're talking about campaigning a uh, congressional candidate who I was working with in uh, out in Phoenix in uh, 2022. He always used the phrase, I want to earn your vote. And I I just think that that's so important. Right. I do, too. And uh, it's all contingent. If voters are to be energized, we need to have candidates worth voting for. And it's not enough that the party and this, this is where I, I I get a little bit nervous because we do we are relying on Gen Z. There have been elections that have been uh, decided in some part, whether it's by the, the black community, uh, black. We talk a lot about black women showing up, whether it was in Georgia, Ohio uh, and Gen Z, you know, who have been very loud about abortion rights and about gun legislation and things like that. My concern is that. You know, because a, a lot of young people, my son included, who do not feel that President Biden is their guy, is somebody that they feel that they can vote for. And by the way, for people who aren't watching on uh, on live stream, Brandon is, is shaking his head. <laughs> I, I have a lot of concern um, because and I and I don't know if there's a way if the man is enough or if the ideals are enough. Right. Like if there's enough. I, I told you that the voting for Biden for me is living to fight living to fight another another day to continue the fight without him winning because I don't feel that the other candidates have a chance whether it's our, our, our RFK Jr. or if it's uh, Cornell West I know it shouldn't matter whether or not they can win but whether or not our democracy can survive is my concern so 
every single election I've ever I've ever voted in has been the most important election of all of our lives. And in who I mean, both sides both sides say that you know it's going to be Armageddon if the opposition wins, and that all rests on the premise of whether or not we really have a democracy to hold on to because the candidate quality that we see Donald Trump and Joe Biden both of them mm-hmm. are symptoms of a decaying civilization uh, I, I I believe it's my core and uh, there was like this uh, slogan back in the 60s that was really popular reject authority believe in yourself so would you but in the con let's contrast President Biden's administration compared to Trump's and, and in the sense that I still believe that that election in 2016 was the, the most important election of my time because the Supreme Court was in the balance mm-hmm. and all those things that we said were horrible came true and over half a million people died because President Biden, I mean, President Trump decided to just destroy the global pandemic playbook that President Obama had installed because they had to react to Ebola and other things that were coming into this country. So by throwing that away and then diminishing the impact and the severity of COVID, it was, the, I mean, I stand by it, that one having been the most important. Him losing in 2020 was the most important. I think that this one, in, in a cumulative sense, is even more important than the last two. So I, I, I yeah, I, I guess because your only elections have been you've been told these are the most important elections of our lifetime having voted since 1991 i stand by it <laughs> really um I, I look i'll die angry about them stopping the vote in 2000 for al gore i mean it's been bumpy uh but i appreciate and i and i want to because you're not because you do reflect uh what i hear in my own home with my son who agrees with you that he doesn't feel that he can vote for for joe biden uh, and thinks that he's a a, a war criminal and that's similar to a lot of folks your age. He is. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you one reason off the top of my head why I'm not voting for him. Uh, in 2021, this was actually a one day before the war in Afghanistan officially ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Biden ordered a drone strike in Afghanistan. Uh, killed ten people. Seven of them were kids. None of them had any con- known connections to terrorist groups. Uh, Granted, you really won't find any American president, at least from recent history, that doesn't have innocent blood in their hands. And I can't go to, in good faith vote for someone like that. Do you think that anybody that you would vote for would, I mean, not, not that they would make that specific decision, but they'll have to make similar. I think anybody in that position is going to, innocent lives are going to be lost, unfortunately. And, and I, I don't say that that's the trade-off. It just seems to be what, what we've done for, since the very beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I know that you've been involved in, in campaigns, too, not just mm-hmm. in Illinois, but you've traveled to uh, to, to work field and things like that. Uh, what What is your sense of uh, when, when you go, when you've gone door knocking or talked to voters or work with candidates because uh, you you've written about how you'll never run for office because it, it you can't be a good person it, the whole process completely destroys who you are and, and influences your choices right more often than not yeah so but but did you have you i mean like your dad you know did a good job and and yes he he uh you know it was I was in that whole bubble of crazy that was happening with appointment process and things like that. Uh, does that affect, you know, your take on, on politics in general? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, the local, like local politics, is the only branch of politics in this country that has any shred of integrity left, uh-huh. I believe. And uh, like, you even see like it, our, though. Our, our uh, DuPage uh, Forest Preserve Commissioner candidate. <laughs> precisely, precisely. And uh, I just, but even at the local level, you're starting to see the polarization, the division, and just the complete rancid poison mm-hmm. from it slowly seeping in. Uh, and I saw it on, when I worked uh, for, uh, uh, you know, uh, on local elections around here, uh, uh, whether it was the suburbs or in the city. And uh, there's, I don't know, uh, yeah. I, I hope the uh, the rot reverses. But I, I want to go back to, like, uh, kind of the lesser of two evils thing, like at right. the presidential level, like... Uh, there's a very good quote from Hunter S. Thompson uh, that I think is worth uh, mentioning. And disclaimer, it has it has one cuss word in it, so I want to give you the heads up. Oh, I see it. Wait, wait, where's my button? Which button works? <laughs> left or right? Which button works? I think it's left. Hold on a second. All right, go ahead. We need to create a place where... Wait, can you can you edit yourself? <laughs> just go beep. Yeah, just go all beep right, on the word. Right. Yeah. I, I, just in case. Uh, okay, actually, I'll abbreviate it. Uh, I'll abbreviate it. <laughs> so annoyed. <laughs> I'll abbreviate it. Just because we also the live stream. Uh, yeah, Do you I'll abbreviate it. You want to let him go? Let him. Okay, go ahead. Go for yeah. it. I just uh, have permission. We need to create a place where people can live like human beings instead of slaves to a BS sense of progress that's driving us all mad. Because the progress we make, for the most part, I mean, there are some obvious things that have gotten better for lots of people in this country in the past 60 years. But by and large, our conception of progress is an illusion. And when we make a stride, we take more steps back. Do you see somebody in office such as, let's say AOC, because you and I think we talked a little bit about Bernie Sanders, and even he has sort of, uh, you know, maybe... uh, not fulfilled his promise or done certain actions that don't reflect well on him. But someone like AOC or other progressives in, in that uh, sort of vein, do you see them doing the kind of work that you envision? Walking the walk and, and fighting for whether it's labor rights or, uh, you know, uh, health care. I mean, those are the things that they're trying. I mean, it's obviously the system is whack, <laughs> but do you see people in there really trying to do the hard work? Not, I'm not impressed by what I see. Okay. Uh, I really don't think that establishment politics as we know it does a whole lot to rectify our discontents. And there are so many things going on just beneath the surface. Microplastics. The, uh, oh, yeah, they, there's a whole report today that there's a, way more than we even thought there was in our food and our uh, our beverages and things like yeah, that. We yeah, we consume a credit <laughs> the card's worth of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> we cons- we consume a credit card's worth of plastic every week. Right. Uh, and uh, 
And not I don't to know mention, how much of, I would I would be curious to find out how much of that. I mean, someone t- texted me one day when I was talking about the deregulation that came under Trump, and I, I mean, because you know, in in Chicago, there was a legislation passed in City Hall about like the the forever plastics that are in our water. You know, when you have like soap that has little beads and things like that that are, have been banned. But I don't know how much of that was also diminished. Just saying, all the things you're talking about only get worse under Trump. <laughs> but the, Trump didn't cause these things, though. He's a symptom of the greater disease, and he was elected for 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 a reason, right? In order to be sort of the tool of big corporations, not that Democrats don't fall into this as well because of how many donations they get. It's just that the the for me the goal of the Republican Party is to continue to reward the wealthy and make it harder for the working class. That, that's that's the way I see it. Both parties are in it for their friends and nobody else. Okay. When you when you write for the, the local you know for the Natig, uh, I know that you've done some you know pieces on um, Alderman Gardner. And uh, what other? Uh, oh, I've never, uh, I've no, never, never about Alderman Gardner. I've never covered uh, anything on Alderman Gardner, but I do have a copy right here of uh, uh, my coverage of the migrant crisis, mm. uh, converting Saint Bartholomew's Parish, uh, the church in the now closed school, into a migrant shelter. And do they? What's the uh, estimation of when they're going to be able to open that up for for the migrants? They're thinking uh, early to mid January, so within the next couple of weeks. Thank God. Uh, I believe that Rick Geezer would like to chime in on the conversation. Yeah, I just want to ask because um, I'm I'm in it. I'm interested, so that don't take this as an attack. But, I'm, I'm working really hard not to scream, yeah. not, not at you, but just like ah, how, how who will judge who are good candidates? How do we get these? better candidates f- that that you're looking for education <laughs> at what level at what level yeah. like in middle Great. school like actually teaching civics teaching Ooh. so that the discussion that we had about the court system which not a lot of people understood maybe i'm trying to understand is it the app uh, the chicken or the egg we have good right. candidates who then go on to do bad things or we have bad people oh, I think who we have can both, do good i agree yeah i think we have both don't you or uh, do you do you think we have good people like good people in the who are running for offices and that are in office currently oh of course the i mean I, i've worked for for a couple yeah. uh, but the the you know I mean, right here, I have a copy of uh, The Consolation of Philosophy by the Roman philosopher Boethius, and uh, he was awaiting uh, execution when he wrote this. And there are a lot of uh, he, he was a he was a senator, a Roman senator by twenty five. He came he was alive right as the Western Roman Empire collapsed. And I think a he lot inherited of, his title from his family, right? Yes, he, yeah, did. he did. He didn't run in an election. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, actually, he was. Uh, he he did gain favor with the with uh, uh, King Theodoric. Uh, he saw good things in him, but a lot of. I mean, even in here, he says that it's 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 more on the rare side to find like. Good people in politics. He wrote this almost two thousand years ago. Right, right. Uh, it's uh, our, like I kind of mentioned last week that our problems more or less stay the same in civilization. They just appear. They just wear different masks as society grows more advanced. Right. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting texts now. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm not going to read the first part of this. Uh, we keep letting things getting worse and solving problems of the environment and poverty uh, keeps getting harder. That the elections in 2010, 2000, 1980, uh, that was an important election. That was uh, Reagan and Carter. I was just thinking about um, uh, there's so many things that were dismantled un- under Reagan and whether it was unions uh, or, you know, the <laughs> mental health, mental health, the Elgin Mental Health Center, yeah. which where, where do you think the people are going to go? I ran the homeless shelter in my church for 15 years. Right Every Sunday night, 65 people. A lot of the homeless population had mental health issues. Right. They had been receiving treatment. That funding went away in 80 under President Reagan. Yeah. I, I, we have a call, we have callers. How do you feel about taking calls? Do you feel like we're all coming? I feel like we're all like coming down on you. Dallas, what can we do to convince Gen Z that? No, I think what you said is right though. Like you're hearing this in your own home. Yeah. I'm hearing it in my home as well. So I seriously, yeah, Ricky, the same thing. In I'm a lot done. of cases. Let's take a break. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. We need more Gen Zers to call, so we so everybody knows that we might be attacked. More after this on uh, Heartland Signal and KTNF nine fifty AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Listen here on WCPTA twenty. Hey, this is Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenna Johnson inviting you to join me every Sunday morning at seven AM. Yes, that's early. But when you get there you'll find information, education, and you may just be entertained. That's the My Community Plan Foundation Hour Sunday mornings at 7 on WCPT Radio 820 AM because facts matter. Alexa, play WCPT. WCPT from TuneIn. To driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I believe we're all being corrected. Uh, Jim from Chicago wants to correct us all on something. Jim in Chicago, what do you want to tell us about the most important election? Hey, Jim. The most important. Hi, how are you? The most important election was 1933. 50 million people lost their lives, 6 million Jewish people, 50 million people around the world. I think that was the most important election in 1933. There you go. All right. So elections, you could say this election or that election, but there are elections that have dramatic impact. So what are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts on how important this election is between Joe Biden? Well, it's, it's, it, well you've, got a, you've got an insurrectionist running against Joe Biden, an insurrectionist who's a criminal, all, all criminals. He's uh, criminally insane, in my opinion. He's, he's cheated all of his life. And uh, who knows what he's done? Why did Kushner get $2 billion from the Saudis? Right. Does yeah. anybody, anybody explain that? Can anybody explain that? I mean, uh, who knows what he's done and what, what he's done with those documents? We don't even know the half of it. I know. So, this guy's running for president. So if this is the most important American election, it is in my lifetime. Anyway, Teddy, thank you for taking my call. Thank Th- you. Thanks, Jim. All right. I, I, got Di- I got Dynamo Dave out of Minnesota who wants to join the conversation. You're on with Brendan Hennigan. The author of The Hard Road, who is going to be available on Amazon. We've got Judge Linda Davenport and uh, from the the Carroll Stream Village Board is uh, Rick Geezer running for the DuPage Forest Preserve. What's on your mind, Dynamo Dave? Well, first of all, I want to commend your guest. He sounds like he has high ideals and principled person. Um, and, but, and I do 
you want to remind the people, you know, politics, it is compromise. You know, I've been voting since 1979, 80 or whatever. And obviously, I haven't gotten many of the people I really wanted in, in power. And so, but I do want to say this. You know, it was, you know, that last congressional election uh, that uh, that helped keep the House from going super red. And so uh, they say they're credited to Gen Z. However, I want to say this much. We need, as, a, as independent people, uh, to call the, call the federal Democratic Party and the federal Republican Party when they're at the U.S., you know, federal level. It's, they're just corporations. It should be called the Democratic Corporation and the Republican Corporation. Now, the local, I wouldn't call them that. They should probably splinter off. But it's, it is a corporation, and they won't even change any how presidents or any of these people are elected because they're supporting the corporations, the media, through ad revenue. We could do what they do in Europe where their yeah. elections only like six weeks long, not a year and a half or whatever it is we've got going on. And, and like for a year, you know, you got to be a, they're paying billions of dollars of ad revenue now to become, you know, president or whatever. And uh, to Bernie Sanders, you know, you got to wonder. I know he, I'm a big fan of his. He, you know, he never did become a Democrat. You know, after he ran against Hillary, he was never, you know. Oh, he was not all in on her. Yeah, he's still Dynamo, Dynamo Dave, I have to say good night for the evening because uh, they're gonna they're gonna turn the lights off on me in a minute. Thank you so much for calling in, oh. and please call. Again. I'm gonna have Brandon in, and I won't have the whole studio filled. <laughs> but I, I want to make sure we talk more about his book again and uh, and the work he's doing. But thank you so much for calling in. All right. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Uh, thank you. Before we go, Judge, you wanted to remind folks where they can visit your website. To Correct. Visit. It's called 3 for the 3rd, the number 3, then F-O-R-T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D.com. 3 Excellent. for the 3rd. Excellent. And, Rick, do you have a website? Yes, rickgeezer.com, R-I-C-K-G-I-E-S-E-R. Excellent. And, uh, and Brandon, the, the book is going to be available? Uh, yes. Uh, it should be available in the coming days. Uh, a link will be out and then physical copies. Uh Probably by next Friday. Excellent. Hopefully by next Friday. Excellent. And I know that you've got a kickoff uh, coming up soon as well. I want to bring, bring you back in because uh, I, I do apologize for because uh, Roosevelt, you got calls. You're, yep, make, you're yep, making people yep. call. So uh, I want to have you come back in and we'll continue the conversation because I know you want right. to address something else. Have a great night, everybody. Oh, my God. I'm so late. Uh, Mike Creed's up next with Devil's Advocates. Lady B, I love you. And tune in for Matt McNeil, too. Later. Bye.